Welcome to Outside Source Football. This is a show about what's going on inside the NFL. Your hosts, Evan Mick and Ty Ruddy, bring the latest predictions and updates from the league. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Outside Source Football on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. This is Ty Ruddy and I'm here with co-host Evan Mick. Last time Evan shared his mock draft and today I have mine. So let's get right into it. At pick number one, with the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers select C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. C.J. Stroud was my QB number two at the time of our ranking, but I think Evan exposed just about every flaw that I had in my argument. My reasoning was the Ohio State bit, and he kind of tore that apart. So, in the final analysis, he jumped Bryce Young. He has the talent and capabilities as well as the size and the awareness to be a top 32 guy on day one, and he showed that during the combine. Bryce Young has canceled the remainder of his pre-draft visits, which has led some to speculate that he might be in talks with the Panthers, but I think with the height concerns from Young, the selection just makes more sense. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, except I think that the... So I think Young canceled his visits because... Houston told them they're not trading down. They told them, if they don't take Young, we're taking you. And if they don't take Shroud, then we're taking Shroud. Like So no matter what, Young is going number two or number one. With my second pick, I have probably a controversial trade down. I have the Houston Texans trading. Sorry. With the second pick, I have the Colts trading up to Houston to select Bryce Young. So this might be a hot take. Uh, And maybe because by deciding in a mock draft on the radio, I wouldn't risk millions of dollars in value as the Texans would if they actually made this decision. But I think the Texans opt to accept an early trade from the Colts. I mentioned the other day that I really think the Colts need to just pick a guy, both as a Colts fan and as a football fan, with the slightest bit of foresight as to where this league is going. You need to pick your guy. No team, I guess with the exception of the 2019 Eagles, really has a chance to win a Super Bowl, they won with Nick Foles, really has a chance to win a Super Bowl in today's NFL if you're unwilling to commit to one person in the backfield. I think the Colts take Bryce Young here. Although I think CJ has the better skill set, I like Young enough to draft him for my favorite team at the second position. I think he's very good. In some ways, I think he's smarter than Stroud. And something I love about these Alabama guys, I think back to like Mac Jones and someone who even didn't really start a whole lot in the NFL, but just has this kind of mindset. A.J. McCarron, these guys just have a championship mindset, and winning is expected coming out of college. The Colts' defense, with the maniac back there leading the charge, is actually fairly solid, and I don't think they get enough credit for that. They could perhaps pick up an offense alignment here, but I think if you're trading up, you're going to take Bryce Young. And number three, the Arizona Cardinals. This is the pick that could be risky for the Texans. I'll explain that in a second. With the third pick, I think the Cardinals select Will Anderson, Edge, from Alabama. There are a few guys every year, most often in my estimation, QBs and strong defensive guys in front of the secondary, so I mean linebackers or defensive linemen, who simply won't drop out of the top five. I think Will Anderson is one of those guys. He has so much talent at such a sought-after position that he's bound to pick up a nice deal very early on. With Kyler out for a bit, the chances of the Cardinals having some sort of massive run this year are slim to none, 
And with J.J. Watt retired, they need to start filling in some holes on the defense. Will Anderson could be a great jump starter. Without a doubt, their edge game is the most lacking part of their defense. Now, maybe second is the cornerback position, but I just don't see them taking a cornerback this high, especially given this year's varying talent at the quarterback position. And if Will Anderson is still on the board, there's no reason for them not to take him. And number four, the Houston Texans. This is from the trade with the Colts. Too many people, in my opinion, have been pressuring the Texans to grab a quarterback this year, and they're not going to be successful under any circumstances. And although he's a he's an average guy for the top 32, I think Davis Mills suffices for a rebuild year, and I don't think the Texans are going to grab some sort of franchise quarterback, in my opinion at least, if it's not Stroud or Bryce Young. So, I think they go offensive line here. Their primary need up front is center, so I think they take John Smith out of Minnesota. It's a surprising pick, I know, but I think every draft needs one. It's a Daniel Jones type thing. They are one of those teams who aren't in absolute dire need, I don't think, anywhere else but on the O-line, but they also don't have many superstars. I think they could get away with this pick, fill out their offensive line, gamble on their average defense, roll the dice with Davis Mills, and see what they can do about drafting or trading for a secondary. Bite the bullet and wait for a better, long-term, sustainable QB option next year or down the road. Likely could go secondary here, but offense wins championships today. So I think you start here, especially if this year's outcome is more or less predictable anyway. Yeah, and as much as I did not make that pick, I don't hate it. The Texans are the same team that traded away DeAndre Hopkins for or traded away yeah, traded away DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. Right. And maybe one of the worst trades in NFL history. So don't forget about that. Don't forget that teams make horrible picks. We're not saying this is what they should do. We're saying this is what we think they're going to do. Right. Which is almost harder to predict. <laughs> <laughs> Number five is the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks do not need a quarterback. Geno Smith is fine, and they like Geno Smith. He's older, but he's not old enough to the point where it becomes a dire situation. This pick did not come easily to me because I think Seattle is not a team in a terrible situation, actually, and Evan talked about that in his mock draft. They drafted Kenneth Walker last year, who turned out to be an absolute stud, and Geno, like I said, has played well. Their wide receiver room, aside from an aging Tyler Lockett, is fine, but they aren't premier anywhere. With few needs and skill positions, except for in their secondary, which won't be solved in the first round of this draft for them, I don't think, they need to turn to the interior offensive line. I drew inspiration from the pick that Evan made for them. If they build out the offensive line, if they build out their offensive line, most teams will have a difficult time defending their run game. I think they pack out the middle here with Peter Skaronsky, offensive tackle, offensive guard, Northwestern University. His versatility, his ability to switch between offensive tackle and offensive guard is a plus, and it only proves his athleticism. I think he has a skill set that can be taught easily in the NFL. The Seahawks need to think very practically in this draft. They're towing a fine line. The Cardinals will struggle, and all hell has broken loose in L.A., leaving only San Francisco in their way for a division title. Now, obviously you don't draft specifically based on teams in your division, but here's the plus. Building an offensive line solidifies them over most teams in the NFC and only helps them against the only other contender for the division. They're a dark horse team for me this year, and I think Peter Skaronsky 
adds to that. Number six. Number six, the Detroit Lions. With the sixth pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Jalen Carter. It's time for Jalen to, to, to be selected. He, he kind of fell a little bit, although I think this is where Evan had him, right? This is exactly where I had him. Okay, so good. The Lions, amazingly, are probably the fastest rising team in the NFL. And if not, if they're not the fastest rising team in the NFL, they're certainly one of them. I think they have something like 1 to 10 odds to win the Super Bowl for maybe the first time ever. And if not for the first time ever, it's for the first time since Stafford was young. Is that right? It's probably for the first time ever. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how long betting odds have been out, but right. we've been pretty bad since the start of football. <laughs> haven't even <laughs> made the Super Bowl, much less won it. Yeah, okay, so... They don't have any positions of crazy need, so they shouldn't overthink this one. Take the best player still up. That is Jalen Carter. He only helps an already good defense. He only adds to the defensive line that Aiden Hutchinson is building. Like Evan said, if you want to solve character concerns, get in the room with Dan Campbell. Let that surprisingly positive Detroit culture mold this kid into the kind of player you want to lead a defense. He might be the best player in the draft, and the Lions are on the rise. That sounds like a good combination. They have been consistently filling in the gaps in their secondary with picks like Kirby Joseph, who had four interceptions last year. is expected to have a pretty good year next year, too. Their offense is in a good spot. A stellar interior defensive line could be the jumpstart they need for success in 2023. With the seventh pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. It's true. This guy was not my number one. He was my number five, in fact. I don't tend to trust extreme athletes in the NFL, but a few things contributed to this pick for me. First, the Raiders need someone. With Carr gone, I think they might as well try to grab whoever's the highest on the board, in in terms of quarterback. I think the reason I went with Richardson here over someone like Will Levis is the future both of the Raiders franchise and of the league. They're drafting for the future. And the future of the league, at least in part, are the Lamars, the Jalens, and the Mahomeses. In addition to this high selection, they have 11 other picks in this draft. I think they take a risk here and continue to build in later rounds. They, too, are in a rebuilding phase. And whereas some teams still rely on the game manager QBs and other teams are lucky enough to score a quarterback who exemplifies both game manager and athleticism, it might be time for the Raiders to hop on the bandwagon and grab an athlete. There are rumors that Josh Jacobs might hold out from training camp, and there's a whole ordeal going down concerning his franchise tag and all that. But assuming he plays and all is well, Richardson might be one more piece that helps the Raiders found a successful rebuild. With Josh McDaniels at the reins, who I like a lot as an offensive coordinator, actually, and also as an offensive-minded coach, this, is, this risky pick actually makes a lot of sense in my eyes. Number eight, I have the Atlanta Falcons. So the player that I have here, Evan had him pretty high, too. I think he went to the Seahawks at number five. But with Seattle and Houston both having drafted for the offensive line, I couldn't find a justification for drafting him higher. With the eighth pick, the Atlanta Falcons select Tyree Wilson, Edge, Texas Tech. I like this player a lot, and I talked about that when we did our initial rankings. He has tons of versatility, and he's massive. He's 6'6", 271, according to the Combine at which he turned heads and proved the reasons behind four years of avid production for the Red Raiders. Edge is a position that the Falcons organization itself admitted it failed to consider in the 2022 draft or failed to consider well. 
They seem to be committed to Ritter, at least for now, and I can't blame them. He's young, and although he gives me Trace McSorley vibes, I do think he might have a few productive years in him. They could get away with going for an offense alignment here, but again, they've been struggling on the outside rush for too long, and I think I think Tyree could be the antidote to some of their problems out there. This is another pick on which Evan and I agreed, and I had this one picked before he even before we even did last week's uh, mock draft with him. I think it just kind of makes sense. It's Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State, offensive tackle. Justin Fields is a young quarterback, and if the Bears want to have any success building around him, they need to give him some protection. Paris Johnson would be the right pick here because he has the size and he has the athleticism to make it work at tackle. They lost Riley Reef in the free agency, and don't forget, they gave up the number one pick for this. They've shown that they're committed to Fields in a major way because if they weren't, they probably would have kept the number one pick and maybe taken a quarterback. So they need to back that up with practicality. Braxton Jones, their other tackle, got off to a rocky start, allowing seven sacks in his rookie year. Paris here is a safe pick and a stable one at that. The knocks on him were very nitpicky in my humble opinion, and he demonstrated very few, if any, flaws that NFL training won't fix. With the 10th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select Devin Witherspoon. Devin Witherspoon is the first defensive back off the board taken by the Eagles at pick number 10. The Eagles are a very complete team. I think they were fairly even matched in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs despite having lost. And when I say evenly matched, I mean in terms of talent. Obviously, it was a good game. But I mean the Chiefs were a complete team, and I think the Eagles rivaled them in that. If there is, however, one area in which they lack, it is the secondary. And the need is not desire, but it won't hurt to build. Although Fletcher Cox is 32 now and they have him on only a one-year deal, I don't think defensive line is as big of an issue as some make it out to be. Cox is supported by Jordan Davis and Milton Williams in the middle there. They lost out on C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the free agency and as of now would likely start a few undrafted rookies in their secondary. I think they need to capitalize if there is still a high-rated defensive back on the board and I think Witherspoon will be that player. With the 11th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Tennessee Titans select Nolan Smith, outside linebacker, Georgia. Where to start with the Titans? And I mean that literally. They're nearly impossible to cage because they're another one of those teams with middle-of-the-road talent in almost every position, but no downright superstars, except for like Derrick Henry and a few other positions on offense. I could see them going either wide receiver here to help out Tannehill or Malik Willis, whoever they decide to start, I could see them going offensive line here to protect whoever they decide to start, but Mike Vrabel is a defensive guy, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to draft around an uncertain QB situation. The edge game for the 2023 draft is sneaky stellar. If I'm the GM in Tennessee, I'm taking advantage of that. At pick number 12, the Houston Texans select Brian B.C., defensive tackle, Clemson. Evan made a good point in noting that to draft a wide receiver here, Makes sense if the Texans had drafted a QB early in the round. Seeing, however, as I do not have the Texans doing so, I think it makes more sense for them to stay in the trenches. This time, I predict that they will draft for the other side. They are average on defense with very little depth. Players like Jerry Hughes and Malik Collins lead that defense. And while there's nothing especially flawed in their game, there's nothing especially extraordinary. 
Brian Beast could be that bit of fire that the Texans need in the trenches that they really haven't had since the days of J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney, and Brian Cushing. He was my defensive tackle number two, but as with the edge rushers in this year's draft class, they have sneaky talent in the interior defensive line, and he was headed only by Jalen Carter anyway, who might be the best prospect in the draft. So I think he's a good fit for the Texans. Yeah, the the front seven class, at least maybe not the front seven class, but the defensive line class in general, edge rusher and D-tackle, especially deep this year, especially defensive tackle was way more than it usually is. Defensive end normally has a couple stars and then a couple good players like every year. It's normally pretty a pretty deep position, but defensive tackle was especially deep this year in talent and not top heavy, but it had that top talent too. With the 13th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Dewan Jones' offensive line. He was my offensive lineman number five. The Jets could go for a safety here. They could go for an offensive lineman here. They could risk taking a QB here. Here they could even look to the defensive line. Put simply, the Jets have a great many needs. They're not going for the QB option. I don't know if that necessarily means they'll ride with Zach Wilson, I bet they could ride with a backup and have the same result, to be honest with you. But regardless, they need to protect whoever they do go with, so I think offensive line makes the most sense here. They had a potential rookie of the year in Beast Hall before he went down, so I expect that to factor into their draft, especially given that he will run their offense this year. The hybrid guard tackle out of Ohio State is still on the board at this point, and I think they take him. His hybrid ability means that he shows promise, both as a run blocker and a pass blocker. Whoever does start this year in New York at quarterback actually has commendable talent around them in the wide receiver position and help on defense as well in the secondary. So that's encouraging. But again, with the return of Brees Hall, I think they look to run support with this pick. With the 14th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Patriots select Quinton Johnson, wide receiver, TCU. Maybe not a typical Patriots pick at first sight, but I think I have an argument as to why he really is the kind of player that this organization can use. No one in football, and really only Greg Popovich in any major sport, rivals Bill Belichick in developing players. He's the John Wooden of the NFL, and he does it on the grandest scale. How many times have we seen him take either an undersized or underappreciated receiver and find them a role? I think of Amendola and Edelman right off the bat. The upside here is that Quentin Johnson actually is not undersized. He has raw talent and is actually NFL ready in many respects. He's a big receiver and the Patriots need some help in their wide receiver room. Mack needs someone reliable to throw at. Quentin Johnson will scrape by at first on natural ability and then once he's developed, he'll reach toward that high ceiling. Yeah, uh, just to, just to kind of solidify your pick, I think that people forget that last year they took Tyquan Thornton. And, I mean, maybe it didn't work out well for them. So maybe they, I guess, quote-unquote, learned from their mistakes. But they took Tyquan Thornton, who was just an athlete and wasn't a good football player, in hopes of doing what you would say they'd be doing with Quentin Johnson. So it's not like that's out of the picture, even though it's not their normal strategy. They did it last year, and I think that they're, they might they may try it again. That's not a bad, not a bad pick. Brian Branch is the first safety to go off the board, and he goes to the Green Bay Packers at pick number 15. He's going to help out a struggling team in Green Bay, and especially a struggling secondary. They've obviously broken up with Aaron Rodgers, 
That alone is heart-shattering. What's even more heart-shattering is acknowledging the fact that if they had anything at all in Green Bay, and I mean anything at all in Green Bay, it was Aaron Rodgers. He is gone. This is not the year to draft a rookie QB with a mid-first-round pick. So, for the first time really since the 1990s, I think, the Packers enter a quasi-rebuild. They need help most evidently in the secondary, and luckily for them, Evans' highest-rated defensive back is still on the board. And I say Evans' highest-rated because I was not here when he did the defensive back ratings, and Brian Branch was his number one, his number one safety. They also have nine other picks in this draft and solid value, so they can continue to build at other positions given their repertoire. Yeah, and I like the the Brian Branch pick, especially because they did just lose Adrian Amos, who was really, really good for them for since 2019. But now he's he's gone, so they need to fill that hole at safety, and he's a very Adrian Amos-like player, probably a little more talented even, and younger and cheaper. So The Washington Commanders have the 16th pick. They have committed to Sam Howell, or at least it seems like they have. I, have they come out and said that they have? They have said that they have committed to they Sam have, Howell. They have committed to Sam Howell. So they need to back him up, or rather, to load up in front of him. With the 16th selection, the commanders take Broderick Jones, offensive tackle. He was Evans number four and would be the highest value player to them still on the board. They also need help in the secondary and on defense in general, but if they're willing to stick to Howell, I see that as willing to stick to their entire offense, and that means they're willing to build an offense around Sam Howell. That means giving the young QB time to get the ball up to young wide receivers like Terry McLaurin. And this is the best way for them to do that. Thank you for listening to Outside Source Football on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We will be back in about five minutes with the second half of my mock draft. Hello and welcome back to Outside Source Football on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. This is Ty Ruddy. I'm here with co-host Evan Mick. In the first segment, I shared the first half of my mock draft, and so I'm going to finish up with this second segment, picks 17 through 32. And we are going 17 through 32, even though the first round of this year's draft only has 31 picks, right? Yeah, technically it has 31 picks. Depends on who you ask. I think that the NFL actual draft will say that the first round ends after pick 31 with it because the Dolphins forfeited their pick. Okay. So, yes, but we are going through 32 because it just makes the most sense. Yeah, makes more sense. Okay, the Pittsburgh Steelers have pick number 17. The Steelers are in an awkward phase. It's not quite a rebuild, and they aren't quite contenders. Their offense actually fares well when you stack it up against others, and they have a young skill set on offense built around Kenny Pickett. He's helped by Pickens and Deontay Johnson in the wide receiver room and by Najee Harris in the backfield. Now it's time to start building a young and likewise talented team on defense. With the 17th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Steelers select cornerback number two, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. With Terrell Edmonds gone, the secondary needs any young help it can get, and it comes in the style of this freakishly athletic Gonzalez. With pick number 18, the Detroit Lions select Sidney Brown, safety number two. 
and he's going to be an athletic addition that will only add momentum to the Lions' rise. As I've mentioned, the Lions aren't missing anything per se, but they could certainly approve, as all teams could. Their offense, without a doubt, is going to be a show this coming year, at least in my opinion. How do you feel about their offense? I mean, do you think, like, skill position-wise, especially, right, you think they're pretty stacked? I think they're pretty – they're very good, especially in the offensive line. And their offensive line is phenomenal. Okay. So, offensively, they're not going to have much trouble. With Goff in the driver's seat, Swift in the backfield, and St. Brown, Marvin Jones flying all over the field – they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, in my opinion, in the NFC North, especially given that I think their only real competition this year is going to be the Minnesota Vikings. Would you disagree with that? Yeah, I, I know. I totally agree. I don't even think that that's their real – like, I think that they should beat them like they're yeah, expected no, to, not I even agree. competition as in. Yeah. So, I actually have – so, there's some news that came out today. I don't know if you saw this, but the Lions have gotten – a whole bunch of receivers suspended. They cut Twinches Cephas, and Jamison Williams isn't playing the first six games because he was betting, not on the NFL, but he was betting on something that he's allowed to bet on, but he was betting at the facility, which he's not allowed to do. Oh. So he got caught betting at the facility. A couple of them did. So people are like, I've heard a couple rumors that people think that the Lions are now going to draft a receiver early, okay. but you don't have to do that. Yeah. Kenny Galladay is still in free agency. He's been in Detroit once. He'd love to come back for a cheap deal. Guys, other guys, old guys, you know, veterans, that's who you take out of free agency. You don't maybe you draft a guy late, but you stick to your board. Yeah. You have that talent still that you can still win games without him. And you still have you're only missing six weeks of Jamison Williams, and that's really the best player that you're missing anyways. So Right. And I think you made a good point in talking about signing veterans from the free agency. And if I'm not mistaken, has Jarvis Landry signed anywhere? Has Nicole Hardman signed anywhere? Nicole Hardman has. You've okay. got so the the guys that you have that I would say are good to sign: Kenny Galladay, Randall Cobb, Jarvis Landry, uh, even Perryman, Rashad Perryman. He was with the Jets last year. Like these are like pretty decent athletes, but they're the smarter guys. Because um, they've been around for so they've long. Been, you've been around for so long. Yeah. yeah. And Perryman has moved teams like three times, so he yeah. knows he knows how to learn a new offense pretty quick. Yeah. So. so I think I think that's exactly right. Stick to your board. And with that, I think the Detroit Lions take, like I said, Sidney Brown at number 18. With the number 19 pick, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the number 19 pick. I like Will Levis to the Bucks here, and it's the same thing, same thing that Evan had. They're in an odd spot now because they have such a good team, but they also lost the greatest quarterback of all time. Plus, I think Will Levis is a sleeper. I talked about that when we ranked them initially. So in recent mock drafts, I've seen Anthony Richardson jumping Will Levis, and I kind of took the advice of the experts out there and decided to give Richardson the benefit of the doubt early on in the round. But that doesn't mean I'm going to let Will Levis slip out of the first round. His game reminds me a little bit of someone like Sam Howell, who is now a starter. That's not what I expect from Levis. If you're the Bucks, you've signed Baker for a reason. Let him play and let him earn his money, and at the same time, let him contribute to the future. I see Levis sitting behind Baker here at least one year, and when he's done doing that, he can he can start. He's not an out-of-the-box guy by any stretch of the imagination, in my opinion at least, but I think he has a higher ceiling than some people realize, 
So with a year of training under him, I have a hard time seeing why he wouldn't start. Yeah, and that's perfect because Baker is on a one-year deal, so it fits perfect in with your philosophy. Right. The Seattle Seahawks have the 20th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Miles Murphy falls here, so I think the Seahawks end up with an absolute steal late in the round. At this point, they need an edge, and Miles Murphy needs a contract. But it obviously goes beyond sentiment, so they wouldn't just draft him. It wouldn't be just a feel-good draft pick. The Seahawks are a building team, and like I said earlier, they're not in dire need of anything, but they have some areas in which they can improve. They are building a good offense around Geno Smith, and we talked about ways to help them out at the offensive line earlier. Let's not forget that they also need some help on defense, and on defense, linebacker or outside linebacker is by far their biggest concern. Jordan Brooks is still in the early stages of recovering from an ACL injury. Cody Barton signed with the Commanders. If the Seahawks find help on the outside, they successfully add an inch to their slow climb to the top. The Chargers have the 21st pick. They are slowly becoming a razzle-dazzle team. With Herbert at the helm, that trend will only continue. I like the Chargers taking an explosive receiver here. With the 21st selection, I think they take Jordan Addison. With Keenan Allen aging, I think they do well to focus on stacking players around Herbert. They have Eckler in the backfield, who's been a pleasant surprise in recent years. They have some young talent now on D, and I think I think they continue that charge by adding some lightning to their receiver core. Now, I understand the concerns up front on defense, but we've talked before about offense winning championships, and this feels like the right move for a young, otherwise skilled team. Baltimore at number 22. I think wide receiver is a pretty evident area of need for the Ravens this offseason. Due to injury and lack of productivity last year, they ended up turning to veterans like Deshaun Jackson and Sammy Watkins for help. They acquired Odell Beckham Jr. in the offseason, but signed him only to a one-year deal. I think they take Zay Flowers here as a player around which to build their room moving forward. He has a similar play style as that of Odell Beckham Jr., so maybe he'll receive some training in that area. J.K. Dobbins did well in the backfield last year, and Lamar for the organization has been a little bit of a, you know, itch, itch in their side, I guess. And so I think their objective should be to keep him happy. There's an argument that they could go offensive line here, and I think that case is pretty compelling. But I also think it's pretty generic to just claim that you need to build your offensive line. Almost every team, every year, needs to build their offensive line. That's that's a never-ending project. The wide receiver room, however, will not be sustainable, and it certainly hasn't made Lamar happy. To avoid another scare, I think you hone in on skill positions in this draft. With the 23rd pick, the Minnesota Vikings take Cam Smith, cornerback number four. The Vikings were almost exactly matched last year in terms of comparison between offense and defense. I guess you would give it to their offense just by default because of Justin Jefferson and they had some pretty electric games. While their run defense and pass rush ranked in the top 10 of the league, they dropped well below the halfway mark in terms of coverage. Right now, they have Cameron Dantzler, Andrew Booth, a 2022 second round pick, and a fourth-round pick, a Caleb Evans. There's always the option to build in the free agency as well, which I think they should and will do. 
given that corner is their biggest area of concern. I say they start in the draft, though, especially given the fact that they don't have any other area of crazy need. I see Cam Smith joining a great tackling defense and making an impact. The offense will continue to do its thing without some new explosive rookie, and they fill out that defense, and they only help their chances in the NFC North. With the 24th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Osiris Torrance. He was offensive lineman number 11. I was tempted here to let them take Bijan Robinson. I don't think that would necessarily be a bad move. It would give Trevor Lawrence a very, very solid backfield. But it's not like they're lacking in the running back. Depth issue is something they might be able to solve with the second rounder, especially if Jameer Gibbs falls or they could turn to the free agency with people like Zeke uh, still on the market with a few good years left in them. Now that they have a franchise QB in Trevor Lawrence with some weapons around him, it's time to complete that offense. Torrance was O-lineman number 12, but he's a solid tackle. Especially given the Jags' scheme with someone like ETN who runs off tackle and comes out of the backfield, an athletic, mobile tackle is essential for like off-tackle off runs and screens and such. The Jags have hinted at a rise they are by no means complete, but playing to their offensive strengths in this draft only helps their situation. The New York Giants take Joey Porter Jr. with the 25th pick. Let's think about their situation very practically for a minute. They're fine on offense. Some might even say they're borderline good. Daniel Jones is a top 15 quarterback. We've talked about that before on this show. And Saquon Barkley is fantastic when he's healthy. The Giants need to set aside the temptation to draft offensive skill players in this draft, with fine receivers like Isaiah Hodgins, Paris Campbell, and Darius Slayton getting the job done out wide, two of whom, by the way, they picked up in the free agency at low cost, so they're also not spending a whole lot of money. Back to the practicality aspect. They have a moderately talented secondary, and they go against receivers like C.D. Lamb, Devontae Smith, and Terry McLaurin twice a year, every single year. The New York Giants are another team, in my opinion, just on the cusp of a breakthrough, and building that secondary is an integral part of their rise. With Adoree Jackson on the final obligatory year of his contract, they need to start looking to the future in that area, and so I think that's what they, I think that's where they head in this draft. Zeke is gone at the Cowboys. They have a number 26 pick, and so I think they replace him immediately this draft with Bijan Robinson running back out of Texas. They need to pack in that defensive line as well, but they also need to figure something out on offense. Really, they could probably escape with taking a Jalen Hyatt-type player who reminds me a little bit of C.D. Lamb, or they could go for an offense lineman. But I think if Bijan is still up, you might as well just take him. You might as well just jump on that. Plus, their pass game is fine. Dak is good. The wide receiver core is still good. C.D. gets the job done, obviously. And although T.Y. Hilton is aging, he still gets the job done out wide. If they're desperate in the wide receiver realm, turn to the free agency and sign someone like Jarvis Landry. Uh, and we talked a little bit about free agents still on the market. Or you can sign someone like Noah Brown for a one-year deal. Their run game undoubtedly needs more help, so they spend draft picks there, in my opinion. Yeah, so people forget that, um, that Pollard and Zeke were on the same team last year. And obviously, you still have Pollard. But the Cowboys really, really like running two backs. Pollard and Zeke had within 40 carries of each other, which is absolutely insane. 
considering the fact that there is they're very different players, but that's just something the Cowboys really like to do. And and Bijan is that Zeke type back where he has the athletic ability that maybe Zeke doesn't have anymore, but he's more of a bigger back. He's not where Pollard's a little more outside run, where they have that one two punch that they used to have, and they have it back and they have it in full strength again. So at number twenty seven is the Buffalo Bills. I'll preface the Bills pick with this. If the Cowboys do not pick up Bijan Robinson at pick number 26, I think the Bills should pick him up at pick number 27. These picks were pretty interchangeable for me because if the Cowboys don't need a running back right away, they certainly need some help on the offensive line. The Cowboys having drafted Bijan Robinson, though, the Bills pick up Darnell Wright, offensive lineman number 12. These two teams have similar needs, but I think the Cowboys' offense is less dominant than the Bills, so it makes sense for them to go for a skill position early on. The Bills at this point are a Super Bowl contender, and they just need refining. They're just filling in, basically. They need big, athletic bodies for Josh Allen to sit behind. I think Naheem Hines still works as a great off-tackle back due to his explosiveness. He gave the Colts a few good years in Indianapolis, and he's done the same for the Bills. He did that last year, and I expect him to continue to do that next year. Now he just needs someone to run behind, and Darnell Wright could contribute to that. With the 28th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Michael Meyer, tight end Notre Dame. They already have one of the most explosive offenses in the league and probably the single most talented wide receiver core throughout the draft. I know that was true a couple years ago, and it's still probably debatable. Joe Burrow, to me, seems like a veteran in a third-year body, and I don't think the Bengals will slow down anytime soon. Why not add more bodies for Joey to throw to? Why not add a bigger body for Joey to throw to? They have, they have Chase, they have Higgins. Tight end is really the only incomplete spot in terms of offensive skill, so they might as well just add someone there. The trouble they're going to run into is extensions. They need to re-sign Joe Burrow and T. Higgins. If they do that... They might need to cut Joe Mixon to make some room, in which case I see them building out the offensive line with this pick or taking Jameer Gibbs. But if they haven't done so already, they probably won't before the draft happens, meaning the tight end pick is a fiscally responsible pick with good payoffs. So with the 29th pick, the New Orleans Saints select Kalijah Kansi, defense lineman out of Pitt. Most of the Saints' major needs are on defense. I don't think that's very debatable. They could go cornerback here, they could go safety here, they could go linebacker here, and it would make sense. But I think Cansey would be the highest value defensive player left up, unless you think there would be a higher value like secondary player or not. No, I think that Cansey's probably one of the best players on the board. But I actually, so after looking at my draft and looking at the Saints a little bit more, I do think that now I had the same pick, but I do think now I think somebody will actually trade up with the Saints and take him. I don't think that that he's going to be the Saints pick because I have a couple of reasons for that, but that's not important right now. But I don't think that he'll be the Saints pick if it'll be somebody else trading up to get him, but I still don't think he's going to fall out of the first round. Okay, yeah. And that was part of my problem is I, I, I definitely did not want Kalijah Kansi falling out of the first round, but I couldn't really find a justification for him to be taken earlier than 29. With Dennis Allen, now their head coach, he was their former defensive coordinator. I think this pick, defensive-minded pick, just kind of makes sense. The Eagles have the 30th pick in the draft, so with that pick, I'm guessing they will take Will McDonald. He's an edge. He was the edge number four. The Eagles are a nearly complete team. Their their offense is great, 
Maybe, maybe they take a running back in this draft, which would mean they take Gibbs here, especially if Bijan is already gone. So maybe they take Gibbs, but as I mentioned earlier, the, their defensive line needs more help than anything. Cox is really the only player they have up front, and they have no star power to defend against outside run, which is why McDonald makes sense here. And plus, going back to the running back thing, I think they'll be fine with Rashad Penny. Yeah. yeah, and like I said, the Eagles are really, really hard to pick for, but I like a defensive line pick because they did lose Javon Hardgrave. That was the only super, super impactful player, in my opinion, that they lost. C.J. Gardner-Johnson is replaceable. Like him, replaceable. So I think that filling out that D-line, trying to get those sacks they lost back, especially on like a third down, you could put in Will McDonald and you could have four basically edge rushers out there. And you could put in Will McDonald because he can play that defensive tackle if they do decide to run on like a, a draw. But I think that getting those sacks back from Javon Hardgrave is extremely important to the Eagles. So I think that's a great pick. So the Chiefs have pick number 31, and I'm guessing that they will select Rashi Rice, wide receiver number three. So the Chiefs definitely will not be the same team offensively next year. They have lost Juju to the New England Patriots. They lost Hardman to the New York Jets. Patrick Mahomes is too good to only have Kelsey to throw to, though. I think wide receiver is more of a need for the Chiefs than many people realize. And if they have the opportunity to grab someone like Rashi Rice this high, I think they should do it. I have a lot of receivers, more receivers than I expected going in the first round. But I think this pick makes sense for them. They're still a great team, obviously. They're the Chiefs but they need to restock on offensive skill players. Plus, an explosive player like Rashi Rice needs a creative coach like Andy Reid, and Reid needs those kind of players to make his scheme work. So with the last pick in the first round of the 2023 NFL Draft, Pittsburgh Steelers. So Juju is long gone, obviously. That was old news. Claypool got cocky and moved on, and he's not doing much anymore. But in the process of weeding those guys out, they found Pickett and Deontay Johnson. I say the Steelers add another high-ceiling player in Jalen Hyatt and watch him grow with a young quarterback and a young wide receiver room. If this happens, the Steelers are a sneaky team on offense bound only to grow with talent and time. After my first round, I want to note a few things. So I just want to note two things. First, Hendon Hooker is still on the board, and I want to add that I think he'll be a steal in the second round. I saw some ESPN analysts like yesterday or something say that he could be a franchise guy for 10 years, and I'm not going to go that far. I don't agree with that. I don't think he's any sort of franchise guy, but I do think he'll be the highest value player left for a quarterback needing team if he drops to the second round. Maybe we'll see the Commanders or the Jets take him then, although the Jets, uh, I'm going to leave that part. Maybe we'll see the Commanders take him then or another team that needs a quarterback. Not necessarily in a dire situation, but willing to train a guy. Jameer Gibbs is still up as well. So that's the second thing I want to note. Bijan is obviously the first running back to go. I think he was the only first round running back in this draft. But whichever team takes Gibbs, I think they have a steal on their hands. I just didn't see him going higher than Bijan. But don't get it wrong. I think, I think Jameer Gibbs is a great pick for someone in the second round. And that's all we have. Thank you for listening to Outside Source Football on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. This is Ty Ruddy and Evan Mick signing off. Please go follow us on Twitter, Instagram, 
TikTok at OSFB underscore pod. And we will see you guys next week with our draft recap. Thank you. Have a good week.